Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, everyone. Were you surprised by the sunshine today? I was a little surprised, but I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Um, I'm excited to see all of you here. For all of you joining online, just want to welcome you again. Thank you, Brandy, for, uh, for hosting us today. You do such a, such a great job at that, by the way. I appreciate that. Uh, so this morning, as we're talking about, uh, we're continuing this series, The Journey, and I want to ask who here remembers watching the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Anyone? Yeah? Uh, so I, I must have been like, I don't know, a teenager when I watched the show, but I remember it was, it was a lot of fun to watch, and it was very kind of addictive. You wanted, to, you wanted to keep tuning in to see what would happen. So in this show, you would have different contestants come on, and they would be asked a series of questions. And the more answers they got correct, the more money they could earn, with the goal of, as you may have guessed, earning ultimately a million dollars. And the fun thing about the show in my opinion, is that they had something called lifelines. And so a person that was a contestant, if they got stumped on a question, they could use a lifeline. So one of those was a 50-50. You could have two wrong answers eliminated, leaving you with just two correct, possibly correct choices left. Um, Another one was you could ask the audience. So you could poll the people sitting in the seats watching and see what answer came up the most. But my personal favorite was... Phone a friend, yes, because I love talking to people, so that one was just great fun for me. But I loved that the idea that you have this person who is standing by waiting, and they are waiting for you to potentially call them, and it's someone that you think is an expert or someone that is maybe trivia smart that you know if I get stuck, this person is going to be able to help me out. And I was thinking, it's got to be something you really think through carefully when you're picking a friend to be your phone a friend. Like, you don't want to pick your best friend who is a wonderful person but terrible at trivia (laughs) or who doesn't like to read any books ever, okay? So that may not be your best choice. Conversely, you don't want to pick the person that you've just recently had a disagreement with and maybe a falling out because now is not the time to test their loyalty, right? When you've got a million dollars on the line, they may sabotage you. Uh, you also do not want to pick uh, the person who um, is going to cave under pressure. That would be me. You know, like, I feel like the answer could be super easy. It could be, um, what's, what has four legs, is a common household pet, and barks. And I'd be like, oh, man, sounds like dog, but fox? What, is, what does the fox say? I, I might be, it might bark. Did cats? Could No. So I feel like I'd be a terrible person because I would be so afraid to give the wrong answer that I would miss even obvious questions. So you have to really think through who you're going to pick to be your friend, your your phone a friend in that situation. And it kind of makes me think about our lives and as we're going through our journeys. And I think one thing that that I feel God wants to just teach us about today is endurance. Endurance for the journey. Raise your hand here if you feel like maybe the last week, the last month, or year even, you could use some endurance on your journey. I know I could. And I I think that one of the ways that God wants to build our, our endurance and grow our endurance for the journey is through the people that he brings into our lives, the friends that he puts on the journey with us. 
And so we've been talking in this series about, about um, really what it means to walk in this journey when there's uncertainty, to trust in God when we don't always see the answers. Um, we've, we've talked about um, how sometimes God is growing our faith and it looks like baby steps, but God is, God is wanting to, us to see, man, I want you to see how far you actually have come. Those baby steps sometimes are actually big steps of faith. And Tom talked last week about how as we're going through this journey, there's, there's a lot of twists and turns, and often we do not end up in the destination we thought we were going to be in, right? But he, he talked about how we have to learn to, um, to trust in God, to trust in God and to wait on him and to act. And that takes endurance, and we have, we have to do that over and over. In each season, we find ourselves going through those steps again and again. And so again, this requires endurance, and I know that God puts people in our lives to help us as we're on that journey. So we're going to be looking at a story today from the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4, and we're going to be reading about a story that maybe you haven't heard um, very often. I know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard it taught from, uh, from in a church, but it's the story of Deborah and Barak, and these are maybe two unlikely partners, and they go on a journey into battle together. And so I love the, the songs we sang were so perfect today, this idea of going into a battle. And again, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I, I already feel like I'm in a battle. I already feel like I'm on this journey and there's opposition and there's difficulty and there's tension. And so maybe the story has something to teach you about your own journey. So we're gonna start with uh, Judges 4, verse 1. And it says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord now that Ehud was dead. You may remember I mentioned Ehud. He's a lefty. He's in a great story. You can read that for yourself. Uh, so the Lord sold the Israelites into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Herosheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. Now, there's some parallels here I see in this story and the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And if you remember, the Israelites were oppressed for years and years and years under the hands of the Egyptians, and they cried out to God, and God heard them, and he rescued them. He sent Moses to deliver them. And here again, we see in this story that they were oppressed cruelly, and they cried out to God, and God heard their prayers, and he went to rescue them. And I think, if nothing else, um, this, this story... The story teaches us something about the heart of God, who he is, that he sees the oppressed, that he sees those that are, that are downtrodden and hurt and victimized, and he cares deeply for each of us. And he comes to defend us. He comes to our rescue. The battle truly does belong to him. So let's see who God is going to use to help bring his people out of oppression this time. Verse four says, Now Deborah, Deborah a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom, from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give them into your hands. So we have this woman, Deborah, who enters the story. And again, and just the parallel, I feel like she reminds me a little bit of Moses because in, in um, the 
Old Testament and Exodus, we see after Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, um, there's a time where he is kind of um, taking care of disputes and people come to him all day long and he's, he's trying to help them resolve disputes. Um, and you kind of see that a similar role here for Deborah. She's, she's dealing with civilian matters. She's dealing with the, the disagreements people bring to her. But she's also the spiritual leader. She's a, a prophet, right? And so she, she also kind of helps... Um, give messages that God may be sharing with the Israelites. And so she has this interesting role and she's um, interacting with this man, Barak now, who is a warrior and she's telling him, hey, listen, God is going to use you to defeat the enemy. All you have to do is rally the troops and God is going to give the enemy into your hands, right? The battle is his. So slide three, or sorry, verse eight says, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Another pause here. I think it's interesting that there's just so much humanity that we can probably relate to in this story, and maybe even we can sympathize with how Barak feels. And I'm not entirely sure the Bible does not tell us why Barak wanted Deborah to go with him. I'm not sure if it was a little bit of a sense of, okay, if you really think God's saying this to us, then you put your money where your mouth is and you come with me into battle, right? I, I think maybe uh, Barak was saying, listen, I, I believe but I, I need some help. I need someone to go with me and remind me of God's promises, remind me of the courage and the, and the word that God has spoken. So that's, that's how I see this. But again, um, there, there may be different interpretations there. But I love that, that Deborah says willingly, yes, I will absolutely go. Um, and, and one thing I note here is that even though she says to, to Barack, okay, you, because of this course you're taking, you know, you're not gonna get the honor in this situation. I don't see that Deborah or God outright condemns Barak for wanting someone to go with him. And I think this is an important thing for us to remember. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that later in this, uh, in this message. I believe God sees our faith, but he knows we sometimes need someone with us to remind us of his promises to us. So we're gonna skip verses 11 through 13, which basically tell us that Barak does what God asks him to do. He rallies the troops and he, he goes to meet the enemy. And in response, the enemy advances to attack. And verse 14, then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And at Barak's advance, the Lord rooted Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Hagoyim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hezer, and the family of Heber the Kenite. And I apologize, I am probably butchering some of these names, but um, thanks for bearing with me here. So we have Deborah, we have Deborah who again gives this go, go as not the Lord commanded you, he goes ahead of you. And she gives, she gives Barak this, this uh, encouragement again, and she says, God's got you, he's with you. And so they defeat the army, and not a man is left, except for the leader, Sisera, who has escaped. Um, and he ends up going to this tent and trying to find refuge with what he believes to be an ally. 
Uh, so I'm going to jump to verse 18 here. It says, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. Um, so I'm not going to tell you how she kills Barat, or Sisera, okay? Because as much as the Bible has many amazing stories, not all of them are G-rated. So you can find out later how she kills him. But, um, but know this, that she, she um, is, is an ally with with Barak and Deborah, and so she kills the enemy. And so it says in verse 22, just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Dale went out to meet him. Come, she said, and I will show you the man you are looking for. And on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. I love the juxtaposition here in this story, um, and you'll see this throughout scripture, uh, this, this idea of faith and works going hand in hand. So we know that God um, wants us to have faith, but we also know that God is the one who works and acts and achieves salvation. He's the redeemer. He's the healer. He's the one who works, right? But we, we see in this story what we see in scripture that, that God still wants our faith and wants us to participate with him in the works that he's doing. And so um, Barak exemplifies this, right? He steps out, he obeys God, and because of that, God subdues the enemy. And I, I want to just make it very clear that the, the story is really about God's work in this story. Um, but this is, this is interesting. I think that we can, I can resonate personally with Deborah's story for many reasons. Um, and I would encourage you, even on your own time, to read Judges chapter five, which follows this one. And it's this song of Deborah that she sings after the enemy is defeated. And it's this beautiful, poetic um, just a beautiful poetic song. And in that song, one of the things that she says, oh, sorry, is that me? I like to make an entrance. Just keep people on their toes. Just let me know if I can change anything. Um, one of the things she says in verse 21 in Judges 5 is, she says, march on, my soul, be strong. March on, my soul, be strong. And I think that she gives us this powerful mantra of endurance. And I think that even in this whole story, we can see a bit of endurance in the people that God brings into this story. So I want to just talk for a minute here about three different kinds of people that we see in this story and three different kinds of people that God may use in our lives and in our journeys to give us endurance. So we have what I would call before, beside, and behind people. Before, beside and behind people. And those before people might be like the trailblazers, the people that are going ahead of us, the people who, who have walked the path before us. You know, we, we often feel like we're walking into uncertainty, into paths that we haven't traveled before, but that doesn't mean someone else hasn't gone before us. So that's the before people. Then there's beside people. And these are the people that are like with us in the nitty gritty battle of life. The people that are standing with us in our mess, um, who know our struggles, and then we have these behind people. They're sometimes unseen. They're the, the people who pray, the people who support, the people who um, give towards what we're doing, the people that challenge us. And we're gonna break these down just a little bit. But first, I wanna talk about the before person. And for me, Deborah is definitely a before person. Um, even if we look, step back from the story a little bit, um, 
the story of Judges is, is like this crazy chaotic time. There's a lot of uncertainty. The, the Israelites were living, they didn't have kings yet. There was no um, clear ruler. And so they were basically going every like 20 to 40 years, give or take, they were, um, again, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then they would end up getting sold, um, captured or subdued by a surrounding nation. And so it was this constant back and forth of, okay, now we're under oppression. Now God's freeing us. And they would have these moments of peace, but then they'd have all these moments of chaos. And that is the time in which Deborah was leading. Uh, so for Deborah, she certainly had people, judges who had gone before her. Maybe even for her, Moses was a, was a go-before person that gave her courage to stand in that role that she was in. I know for myself, Deborah is a before person for me because she represents this woman leader uh, where we, we haven't seen, she's the only judge in the Bible that's mentioned that's a female. Uh, she's not the only prophet that's a female, but, but she is certainly one of the first women leaders that we see. And so she was walking this path that for many, she, she, didn't, have, she didn't necessarily have someone who had walked in, that, in her shoes. But she represents then um, this idea of someone clearing a path for those behind them. And I love that she represents this. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe in your life, um, maybe you're a first of Someone, the first person in your family who went to college, the first person, um, you know, there's been a, a string of um, bad patterns in your family and you're, and you're saying to yourself, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to let God work in me and break me free from that. Maybe, maybe you're, you know, going out, stepping out on your own as a single parent and you're like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to find someone who's gone this path before. And God gives us those people to go before us, to give us endurance I think sometimes even knowing that our own journeys may be a before story for someone coming behind us, sometimes that helps us. When we get stuck and we feel like giving up, I, want, I think sometimes God wants us to look around and say, who's, who's watching? Who's looking? Whose story is, am, am I going to be able to impact through your own story? And that can give us endurance to stand and keep going Even in our faith journey, God reminds us in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And we consider God and his example so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. And God wants you to know that. He doesn't want you to grow weary and lose heart and give up. He wants you to keep running. And sometimes we need those before people to give us that endurance to not give up. But secondly, I would say, I would see examples of beside people. We all need beside people in our lives. And I love that in this story, really, both Barack and Deborah are beside people for each other. Because you know what, Deborah has this gift of leadership and this gift of, you know, this spiritual gift that God's given her, but she's not a, she's not a warrior, she's not a, a fighter, and God has given Barack that gift and that leadership. And so God's like, I'm gonna put the two of you together, and you walk hand in hand and it's messy, right? She's going into battle. They're both going into battle. It's not gonna be this easy thing, but each one is willing, is willing to go into battle with each other. And I would ask you, can you think of people in your life, people that are, are with you right now? This is the kind of person that, that you really have to just be vulnerable with, that they've seen you at your very worst and they're not there to judge you. They're not there to, they're not there to condemn you. They wanna pick you up. They wanna help you on the journey. Sometimes the beside person that we need is someone that we know has gone through similar things that we're going through or rather is still going through those things. 
Like I know, um, I laugh, I'm um, diabetic and when I, I've like literally like chased someone down in the grocery store before when I saw that they had an insulin pump and I was like, ah, a friend, you get me. You know what it's like to be me. There's something sometimes about meeting someone, maybe for you, you can think of that person in your mind where you're like, oh my gosh, they totally get me. I just know, I just know they, they understand what I'm going through. And that's why sometimes we, we need to find people in like support groups um, or, or again, people in a life group, people, someone that you know has walked, is walking that similar road with you because you know that they can help carry that burden with you. And then I, w- I would also challenge us, especially as a church, to, to learn how to be those beside people, right? Because we have to learn how to lay down judgment and just, and just sit with people and be able to help them and carry them. I think when we do that, we become, like Deborah was for Barack, that person who speaks courage into someone's life, who, who speaks wisdom, who says, you know what, go because God is with you. And I wanna remind you of the promises. I wanna remind you, even on your darkest days when you can't see it for yourself, that God is there and he's not left you. We all need those beside friends. And again, we see that constantly in the Bible as well. So often, God sends out people in pairs, um, whether it's uh, David and his friend Jonathan and the, and the courage they give each other, whether it's um, Elijah and Elisha and kind of a, a mentor relationship, but they, they walked a journey together. Or when Mary is pregnant with Jesus and, and God sends her Elizabeth, who's going through a similar story, and they can carry each other's burdens. I think of Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas, the different people that would go into into mission journeys together. We all need those with people. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And I just think of that as this, this with person, the beside person. Maybe you have that person in your life or maybe you're still trying to find that person and that's okay. I know that God wants to bring us together with people who can walk the journey with us. So we have before people and we have beside people and we also have behind people and it is not as awkward as I'm intending for that to sound but in behind people, um, in my mind, um, Deborah is a little bit of a, of a behind person, right? She's supporting, she's advocating. But I think the interesting behind person in this story is actually Jael. Because I think sometimes we, we think of behind people as kind of like off in the corner, not, you know, maybe not really in the, in the limelight. Um, but Jael is an advocate. She is an ally. She is someone who is there silently supporting what Barack and Deborah are doing, even when they aren't aware that it's happening, Right? I and mean, I think we all have people in our lives that whether they're flashy or, or we even know that they're necessarily there, they're sitting there, they're praying for us. Man, they, they, they're like, I haven't gone ahead of you. I don't know what it's like to go down that road, but I, but I see you and I'm, I'm encouraging you from back here. I think of a behind person as someone who's kind of, you know, like if you're at the gym and someone's spotting you when you're lifting weights or maybe a parent with a young child at the, at the jungle gym and you've, they've kind of got their hand there and they're just, they're just there, they're, they're ready to support They're ready to catch you. They're ready to help. This may be someone who says, listen, I can't go on that missions trip to Belize. I I have medical issues. I have things I've got right now, but I I would love to to pray for. I would love to financially support one of the people who is going. That's a behind person. I think a behind person is also someone who helps us catch our blind spots sometimes. 
right? They're, they're standing back just enough, and I think they can see us, and they can say to us, hey, listen, I know you want to follow God. I, I know that you're seeking him here, but maybe you didn't notice this about, maybe there's a weakness that you didn't see, something that you didn't notice, and I just want to challenge you and encourage you and, and know that I'm praying for you in that. We all need a behind person. And if you, you may be someone who's sitting here right now and thinking, thinking, man, I just never feel like my role or my spiritual gift is, is important. It feels unseen. And I'm gonna tell you right now that the spiritual gifts, the things that we don't always see that people are doing for us, there is no good story that happens without those people, without people in our corner, without people praying and standing with us. We all need behind people in our lives So I want to just pause for a minute, and I want to actually just pull up kind of a chart that we can look at as we're, as we're finishing up this and ending the message today. Um, there are different, there's different kinds of people, and I would encourage you if, if you know, maybe you're not someone who's, who likes graphs and things, but if you are, I would encourage you this week to just take a piece of paper, and in the middle of the paper, write behind, or before, beside, and behind. And on the left side of that paper, I would love for you to write, for me, and on the other side of that paper, I would love for you to write for others. And I would love for you to prayerfully just go through and look at each of those kinds of friends. And I want you to think about who might be those friends or those people in your life right now. Who do you have right now who's, who's going before you or beside you or behind you? And if you're having a hard time finding especially a before person, I know sometimes we can feel like, man, I just don't know anyone else who's gone through what I'm going through. Social media is actually one really great tool for this. You know, um, even for myself, there's been people I've been able to look up, authors, um, other people, or hashtags you can follow even that help you connect with people who are in that journey, who have gone before you, who know what it's like. And I would encourage you, if you don't feel like you have a before person, pray for that. Pray for God to bring that person to your life. And also, I would like you to look at your life and say, who am I going before right now? Who is the person that, that, um, that my story is impacting that there's ripples behind us and God is using your story to impact others. Who might that be? And then think about the beside people in your life. And I think, you know what, the, the beside people, it can be, this is maybe one of the hardest things to both be and receive. Because especially right now, I don't know about you, but coming out of COVID, I've kind of gotten into this habit of, of a little bit of isolation and sort of feeling like, man, I just gotta carry these burdens on my own because I don't really know who to lean on. I don't really know how to interact with friends the way that I used to, maybe you feel that a little bit. And I think for some of us, even coming out of this pandemic, there's a challenge to say, man, I've got to let people in my life. I've got to let my guard down a little bit. I'm not perfect. I can't carry it all. I need someone to walk with me. And that requires me to be vulnerable, to let someone in. Or again, who can you be that with person for? And I want, to, I want to caution you here because there's some of you in here who are like typical helpers and you're maybe a type two on the Enneagram and you want to carry everyone and everything and you never want to disappoint anyone. And for you, if you've got 15 people on your, on your wish list that you're trying to walk with, that might be too much. You might actually need to let God uh, help you to let go of some and say, listen, I can only really help carry a few people right now. And that's okay, because there's other people that are gonna walk with other people. And other people are gonna support these friends in other ways. So maybe God's challenge to you is, okay, give those people to me. You gotta let some people go. You can't carry them all. But we do need those beside people, and we need to be those people for others. And finally, again, the behind people. Um, sometimes even this can just be a reminder to thank the 
the behind people in our lives, to go around and say, man, I know you've prayed for me for so long. Thank you. Man, I know you've encouraged me and you've supported me and you've brought meals for my family. Thank you for being that person. Do you have a behind person in your life? And if you don't, I will say right now, if you're, if you're like, I don't even know if anyone's praying for me, our prayer team is amazing. These are all friends of mine. And I, I love that no matter who you are in this church, if you have a prayer request, they will pray for you here. And then the whole prayer team will pray over your, over your prayer, even if it's anonymous. They will pray for that on Monday night when they meet. Um, and I just love knowing that our church is covered in prayer by those people. It's a beautiful gift to this church that we may not even realize or acknowledge um, so I encourage you to come ask for prayer if that's something you need. And again, how can you be that? How can you be that for someone else? And I want you to know that in different seasons in our lives, we're gonna be different in different roles. We're gonna have different people that fill these roles for us, and that's okay, right? If you're a young, young mom right now or a young parent, man, you only have so much time. Sometimes all you can do is like, you know, take a shower, and that's, you don't have time to go and like help, help take someone else to the store or do anything else. I get it, it's okay, in this season, that's, that's you, but, but God's gonna allow you to be used in different ways in different seasons. So as we're wrapping up here, I just want to acknowledge a final piece that even though we have these friends that God gives us, right, the, the behind and the before and the beside people, I can almost feel maybe a little bit of cynicism in the room. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, okay, it's great that God gives us people for endurance, but you know what, Carrie, people have let me down. You know, there were some people that I, that I was vulnerable with and I opened up to and, and then they rejected me and they, they left me or they hurt me. And I want you to know that I see that and I know that God cares for those wounds and those hurts that you're holding. And I know that people can be broken because I am one of those broken people and I've had people that have hurt me too. And as painful as that is, I wanna kind of leave you with this main idea here. Yes, God uses people before, beside, and behind us to give us endurance for the journey. But even when people let us down, God never abandons us. Even when people let us down, God will never abandon us. And we sang that song, oh no, you never let go. You never let me go. And I need you to know this right now, that God is the one person in your life that can fill all three of those roles always, simultaneously. He is always before, beside, and behind us. We have a God who, who made us and loves us and walks with us. This is why Christ is our ultimate example. He's the ultimate before person. He's walked the road. He knows the pain. He knows what it's like. And he, he shows us what it means to live as a fully loved child of God and to carry the cross that God has given us to carry. And God gives us his spirit. He leaves us with his spirit who is an advocate for us, who guides us and leads us and, and teaches us what is right and teaches us the way that we should go. And this same spirit comes behind us. He prays for us in our weakness when we don't have the words. Jesus advocates for us before the Father. There's a verse that I love, Psalm 139, five through six, and it, it's part of the Psalm that David is singing when he talks about how God intimately knows him, how he was formed by God, and God knows everything about him. And it's a beautiful picture. It says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to attain. 
feel like this verse is this image of God basically cocooning us. He's hemming us in before and behind and he's laying his hand on us. He's holding us. He's holding our hand. He's never going to leave you alone. And I feel like this is the gospel in a nutshell, that God, God would form us and that he would, would come to rescue us, that he would go to, he would stop at nothing to be with us and to walk with us to call us his own. And by walking with Jesus, he's gonna continue to make us new. He's gonna continue to make us holy as we step with him, as we go on this journey. I want you to know that whatever battle you're facing right now, whatever endurance you're needing right now, God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. He will never, ever leave you alone. And my prayer is that God would continue to bring the people in our lives, that we would continue to be the people in other people's lives, to give endurance. But if nothing else, may, may God give us all a greater sense this week of his presence for us and the power of that presence in our battles. Let's pray. God, I don't know what everyone's going through right now. I know that there may be a lot of, of weariness and heaviness and burdens there may be some things people are going through that just no one else even knows about and, and people aren't even sure where to go or what to do. God, I'm asking right now that you would bring people for all of us, um, that you'd bring divine encounters and appointments for us, that you'd bring just the people that we need in this season in our lives to encourage us, show us how we can be that for others. And God, I just ask for your presence, your powerful presence to be with each of us today, that we would know you, and we would not feel alone. I thank you that you never leave us.